Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website, hitthatline.com, for all types of great interviews, podcasts, videos, articles, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. Arkansas basketball takes care of business against Texas San Antonio in Little Rock. It wasn't necessarily the prettiest of games, but I do have a beef with something that went on during the game. We'll get into that. We'll also talk a little bit about the early National Signing Day happening this week. Looks like Arkansas is shaping up for a great class, but will there be some other type of surprises? And we'll also get into some of the bowl games and your questions from Twitter here in just a moment. But let's start with Arkansas taking care of Texas San Antonio down in Little Rock and basketball. Now, this is no run-of-the-mill game. This is just another game that obviously after finals, people kind of chalk it up to, hey, there's a little bit of a struggle. There have been a little bit of a lull anytime you have to deal with finals week, which, hey, we all know about that, right? But either way, going down to Little Rock, I have, I have mentioned on this podcast before that I don't have a problem with it in basketball, but Arkansas getting the victory 79-67, to 67, which wasn't really a very vindicative of what and how close it really was. But the one thing that I thought was fascinating is after the win on Saturday – Texas San Antonio, obviously he's not that great of a team, but Arkansas moves on to 7-2. and two. But Litter, Arkansas's record in Little Rock is not that great. 11-9 and nine after that victory on Saturday. Barely over 500. And it kind of makes you wonder why that is the case. Now, I am not turning this into criticizing Little Rock or criticizing Verizon Arena or anything like that. I just think it's a fascinating stat. Because there's no doubt that the atmosphere and the crowd there in Little Rock on Saturday was very electric. Very much a pro-home team, even though it was a neutral site game, type of setup. Where there was a lot of energy in the building, there was a lot of camaraderie. There, there was everything you would want in a home court advantage for Arkansas. And it's been like that pretty much every single time that Arkansas has played in Little Rock. And you can even chalk it up to the fact that some of these records that they have or some of these losses that they had was in the John Pelfrey and Stan Heath era, which, okay, we may even look at that as well. But I just do find it fascinating that even in Arkansas's wins down in Little Rock over the past few years, they haven't been pretty. And you're talking about 20 games down there in Little Rock, essentially 20 different years where Arkansas has had 20 different teams and still has not really looked great down in Little Rock, and it just kind of makes you wonder why. What 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 is it about going down there? Is it just the timing of the game being around finals week? Is it just the fact that you're having to travel a little bit, but you have a home game too, so it kind of feels off to you? Is it, is it the court? Is it the facility? I, I don't know. But what I do know is that Arkansas took care of business, and they got the win, and that's really all that matters. And I'm sure that a lot of you are listening in saying, well, what does it matter? Well, I do feel like that in college basketball, it's always about finding the advantage of venues, finding the advantages of locations. And if you don't believe me, just look at what Bud Walton has. Bud Walton, to me, without a doubt, is one of the greatest home court advantages you can get in all of college basketball. I know that people talk about how great Duke is, which it is great. At least I've not been, but I've heard. Duke is great with the Cameron Indoor. People talk about... Uh, Allen Fieldhouse there in Kansas where the Rock Chalk Jayhawks going through all of it. I mean, we know about a lot of great home court advantages, but a lot of the times it just has to do with the team being good. 
Arkansas has a great home court advantage even when the team's not good. I mean, you think back to the years of Stan Ethan, John Pelfrey, their home record was always really solid. Even when their teams were really bad, there was just something about it, and it was really hard to put your thumb on. But I think in college basketball, home court advantages, or at least having the avenue of having a home court advantage at a particular site, is crucial to the success of a program. Look at what Arkansas has had to deal with in the NCAA tournament. And this is another thing that really has pissed me off here uh, in the past few years that Arkansas has actually made it to the tournament. If you think back, they haven't really been anywhere remotely close to Arkansas in their first round games. Nowhere close. You had a time where, I mean, it seems like they played in North Carolina about three times in the NCAA tournament this millennium. So you have that. They, they've played out in California. They have played in Detroit. It, it just seems like it's so far away, and obviously Arkansas has not had a lot of success. Now, that's not to blame anything on not having some type of energized crowd on your side during that game. But my point is, that it means a lot in college basketball. And that anytime you can get an advantage, it's always a big one. And that's why it's so unfortunate for Arkansas basketball this season that their best and their most toughest games in conference are all on the road. Tennessee looks like a bona fide top five, final four possible national championship team. And Arkansas plays them on the road in their fourth SEC game. Same thing with Auburn. They look like a top 10 team. They're ranked number seven in the country. You have them on the road. Kentucky's always going to be Kentucky, but you have them on the road. And that's really the one thing that's maybe holding this team back as far as what you're going to expect out of them down the stretch of conference play is can they overcome and get some of those road wins? Because there's no longer, there should be no longer a case being made against Mike Anderson and his, quote, poor road record. He has the second best road record in the SEC the past four seasons. And the only person that has a better one is John Calipari in Kentucky. That's it. So you can't give Mike any type of grief about that fact because they do play very well on the road. At least they have been as of late. But I just don't know if it's going to be a good setup to have Arkansas win those games. But here's the other side of the coin. Here's the kind of the positive side you can spin on it. As you may look at it as Arkansas not being able to beat Tennessee no matter where the game's played. Same thing with Auburn. Same thing with Kentucky. That even if those games were in Bud Walton Arena, you probably wouldn't be able to win them. However, the rest of the home slate is very favorable. Now, I know that they lost to Western Kentucky, and that was more of an anomaly. I mean, if you think about it, Arkansas only lost two games, and both those games worked by a combined three points. But if Arkansas beats Georgia Tech and Texas State and Austin P, there's three wins they should have. You have Florida at home in the second game of the SEC slate on January 9th. Could you finally beat Florida? It seems like it's been forever since Arkansas has beaten Florida. So maybe this will be the time that that actually happens. Then you have LSU. Should be winnable. Not saying it's for sure a win, but it's a winnable game. Missouri at home. Should be a win. Georgia. Should be a win. Vanderbilt. Should be a win. Mississippi State. That'll be a tough matchup. They're a tough top 20 team, but you get them at home and they'll horse a return trip. But either way, should be a great one. That's your toughest home game. A&M. Also at home. Ole Miss. Also at home, Alabama at home. You have your easiest games, your most winnable games all at home. So you could see a scenario where Arkansas could very well go undefeated in Bud Walton Arena the rest of the way. Now, is that likely? Eh, Probably not. 
but it at least gives you the opportunity to take care of business there. So if you win your nine conference games at home, just say, for instance, say they won all nine home games in SEC play. You're talking about just having to steal one or two on the road, and you're probably in the tournament. And I don't think that's too much to ask. I know that they got a tough slate, but you have to go to Missouri, and Missouri's not that great of a team. LSU's not that great of a team. You have to go there. You have to go to Ole Miss. They're not that great of a team. So you still have a lot of winnable games. And Vanderbilt, that's the other one I forgot. Vanderbilt, they're terrible. So those are the slate of games that you could have where you're playing on the road and could find yourself in a position to, even though you may not have those big wins against those uh, top 10, top 25 teams on the road, like I just mentioned, you are still in good position to make it to the NCAA tournament. And there lies my whole point in this segment. It's about where you play. It's about timing. It's about matchups. And it's about energy. And I think it's also so important that so many times we have seen this team crumble when they went on the road, and they haven't done that in quite some time. But now... Since they have it in front of them, they just got to go and protect home court, steal a few on the road, and this team is in the NCAA tournament. Again, will it happen? Yet to be determined, but I like their chances, and any time a team comes into Bud Walton Arena, regardless of how bad Arkansas may be, and regardless of how good the opposing team may be, I will always like Arkansas's chances in those games. But hey, bowl season's on its way. Well, actually, it's not on its way. It's in its full swing. What am I talking about? Sorry, I didn't care much about the North Texas-Utah State game. But bowl season is in full swing. And you want to check out these games, right? You want to watch them. I I mean, I want to watch them. We all want to watch them. And Sling TV is the best way to watch all of these bowl games. Because for $30 a month, you get the ESPN networks, the Pac-12 network, the SEC network, and so much more. And you can stream it on your big screen or on your favorite mobile device. Sling TV also gives you the live TV you love only better no useless channels no long-term contracts no hidden fees and you can cancel at any time and here's an exclusive offer for all you locked on listeners sign up for sling tv and get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on that's s-l-i-n-g.com slash locked on you got to check it out it's a great way to watch all of college sports i watch it i use it on my mobile device it's so easy it's so perfect it's so sweet just get that interconnection you Use that Sling TV and you're in like Flint. So just go to, again, sling.com slash locked on for your free seven-day trial. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You know, coming up this week, it's a big week for Arkansas for various reasons as well as other teams around college football because it is early National Signing Day coming up this Wednesday. And this is something that a lot of us are having to get used to, coaches, players, whoever, where before it was always just the first, I believe, first Wednesday in February. Every single year. That's that's the day you had to worry about because that's what signing day was, and then the rest of it didn't even matter. You just had to wait until that day to where you finally figured out what happens with your recruiting class. Very stressful time, especially for fans. I mean, they were glued in, locked in to all the things going on around the country with the recruits that they felt like they had a chance at, all the hats being put on, all of the bulldogs being brought out. I mean, all the crazy shenanigans that happened with recruiting, it always happened in February. But now you have the new early signing period. And I know it's relatively new. It's been going on for a couple of years now. 
But it's still something that people are trying to figure out, myself included, of if it's beneficial. If it, is it worth it? Is it the way that you want it to be? Is it really helping out the game of college football, making a better product for all things considered? And I think that for the most part, it is. I think that there are a few things, obviously, that since we're talking about Arkansas and using them as the specific example, I do believe that there are a few of the players that can really benefit. Because listen, if you know where you're going... If you're going to Arkansas and you're all bought in, sign. Why even worry about it? I, to me, as a player, I would just want to get that off my chest. When it comes to December, just if I'm entering in my final semester of college, or excuse me, of high school, and then maybe I'll go and enroll early into college, I'm signing that dotted line and moving on. If I know where I'm wanting to go. And when you don't sign on the dotted line, if you're committed somewhere and you don't sign on the dotted line for the early signing period, that does kind of make you wonder if that person's really fully committed. Are they waiting for something else? Are they trying to see if maybe they can get a better offer? And it just has a few red flags going up in the air. But here's the thing. Of the 25 current commits for the University of Arkansas, seven of them have reported that they will be waiting until February. Seven of them. Now, is that is that bad? Is that bad? Eh, I don't say it's bad, but it just makes you wonder why that is. And I'm sure we'll get some uh, understandings and some uh, background behind it when we get to speak with some of the recruiting experts. But just to give everybody an update of some of the recruits and when they will be announcing as far as the times go when they'll sign their national letter of intent. You're talking about Myron Cunningham. He will be at 7 a.m. TQ Jackson at 9 a.m. Malik Chavis at 9.30. Enoch Jackson and Torian Carter at 10.30 a.m. Zach Williams at 12 p.m. Colin Clay at 12.20 p.m. Greg Brooks Jr. Now, this is one that Arkansas is really high on. He's announcing at 1 p.m. deciding between Mississippi State, Arkansas, Kansas State, Kansas, and Southern Miss. He's a four-star defensive back. So definitely somebody that Arkansas is going to be looking at. 1 p.m. is Bo Limmer. 2 p.m. is Zach Zemos. 2.30 p.m. is Mateo Soli. Shamar Nash and Eric Gregory will be at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, which is 2.30 Central time. Bradley Latham will be at 4 p.m. And then Trey Knox will be at 8 p.m. Now, we, they haven't heard back, and this is according to hogbeat.com. They have not heard officially on when K.J. Jefferson, Chabuize, Nawana, and Marcus Miller will be making their paperwork filed. And also Dylan Rathke, they won't have a ceremony until February with his other teammates, but he will send his paperwork in the morning. So you don't have to worry about that. That's that's all well and good. It'll be, it'll be just fine on that front. So there are a few players, obviously, they're not doing it. But there's no reason to panic about this. There's no reason to throw up your arms and wondering why. I think it's fine for players to wait. Also, because if you're not sure, if you still want to take more visits, if you still want to check other things out, there is nothing wrong in the world with trying to figure things out and making sure that you make the right decision. This is arguably the biggest decision that some of these kids will make in their lives of where they decide to go and play football at one university. So why not just wait until you understand everything? You have all your ducks in a row. That's fine. I don't mind that. I also don't mind the kids that are completely sold and know where they're going and they don't want to take any other visits or look around anymore. Totally get that as well. It's just this comes back to how much I despise recruiting. I got to talk about it, and I understand that. I understand how important it is. I understand that if you have a great recruiting class, according to the numbers, you will stop traffic, have a great team. I totally, totally get that. 
But it's these type of shenanigans and the type of stress that it causes for so many people involved, including players, including coaches, including fans, including everybody, that just makes it become makes it becoming a circus. You know, before it was just sign. Sign on the dotted line, we'll go from there. That's what it used to be. That's the way it should be. But it's not that way anymore. You got to have some sort of production, some sort of event, something that's going on that you can say, look back and go viral with some video, some crazy stunt, something like that. It just pisses me off because I get so annoyed by it. Just sign your freaking name on the dotted line and move on. Why does it happen? I'm sure people are like, hey, what the kids have fun. Why? You're signing on the dotted line. You, you, you create this circus that is. People try to one-up each other. You know, before it was always a big deal when someone put a hat on. And they had the hats in front of them. Now it's like if you just do that, you're boring and no one talks about you. They want to know exactly what the craziest scenario, the craziest situation will be. And it's nauseating. It's stupid. It's dumb. I don't like it. And I feel like it's going to be the same thing. Even though the early signing period may help it just a little bit, it's still going to be over-the-top ridiculous even during the early national signing period. So I am not a fan of it. I have never been a fan of recruiting. And I don't even know if this early signing period has done enough to be beneficial to everybody because we're still talking about the same things. But Either way, it's a big week for Arkansas, and we'll have coverage of it, and we'll talk about it once it gets closer and once we actually know exactly who signed what, and maybe if Arkansas had some surprise commits, that'll be huge as well. But either way, Arkansas is still in great shape, still keeping all the recruits at hand, and take take take, take your pills, Razorback fans. It's okay. Just chill. Don't stress out. It'll be fine. I mean, it's got to be fine, right? You can't go 2-10 again next year. And the only way you can get better is recruit your way out of it. So here you are. So hopefully, just hopefully, this week will be the beginning of something great for the Razorback football program and the recruits that they will sign. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, final segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You know, I had a few of you come after Twitter with some comments that you uh, wanted me to ask me about. And this one comes from Jonathan on Twitter. He says, is little John Daly the most heavily recruited golfer for the Hogs? You know what? He is. I don't even have to see anything that he's played in. I just know that he is the most highly recruited golfer that Arkansas should have on its radar. That's all I know. I've never seen him play. I don't know how good he is or how not good he is. I don't know anything about him. But what I do know is that he is John Daly's son, and that's good enough for me. Give the kid a scholarship. Let him become something great. Let him be the great Razorback fan that is, and just move on from it and roll with it. That's the way it needs to be. But I can't wait to see if he golfs well, especially if he comes to Arkansas. Wouldn't that be something if he won a national championship or something? John Daly, little John Daly with the crazy pants. Oh, only in the perfect world. Only if we can make that work. So hopefully, hopefully that ends up playing out. So, hey, this uh, this one comes from Cody too. Now this is kind of off the radar and off the cuff a little bit, but he asked me about my Twitch account where I stream me playing video games in the afternoons. Um, yeah, I do that. It's probably pretty nerdy, but that's fine. I don't care. I enjoy video games. I play Fortnite on there. I will play, um. 
What's the other one? I just lost my mind. Red Dead Redemption 2. There we go. I'll play that. I'll play Call of Duty. I'll play a bunch of stuff. Some old games even. And I do have a Twitch account. It's at SEC Chant. So that's my uh, gamer tag as well on Xbox One. And that is also uh, my Twitch account. So check that out if you want to see me playing. It's funny because at first I was just kind of doing it for fun just to see. Because I'm always about creating content and trying new things. And I tried it out. And every single time I've gone live, I've only gone live three times, it's gotten more views views more views and more views so hey i'm all about it if you guys are willing to watch it if you guys want to check it out if you guys want to party up squad up get some fortnite after it let me know you know where to find me sec chant is the username well appreciate everybody listening in today be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on itunes or on google play we're also on spotify you can also get after me on twitter at rush john neighbors for any questions comments concerns that you may have same podcast time same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon have a great day everybody we will see you then you are locked on razorbacks your daily arkansas razorbacks podcast 